0: Tennis Direct are Australia's favourite online tennis store with fast delivery and great prices. Free delivery on orders over $150. Just visit their website, tennisdirect.com.au, and you can get a 10% discount store-wide. Just use the promo code FIRSTSERV10. That's FIRSTSERV10. Ooh.
2: GLG Greenlife Group, celebrating 25 years. Your open space specialists at glgcorp.com. The first serve, your home of tennis. Good evening, everybody. Welcome along
0: to The First Serve. Uh, great to be back for another uh, Monday. Brett Phillips in the chair. Always happy to take your calls. one three hundred seven three six seven three six 736 736 Or on the text, 0433-9811-16. Uh, love your contribution. There's a bit to weigh in on. There's no doubt about that. The January Summer of Tennis... My goodness, it's migraine stuff. More on that shortly. The latest on tour tonight, the ATP season, wrapping up with the NITO ATP finals. Up early to watch Daniel Medvedev this morning crowned the champion. We'll announce our fourth and final winner of our Tennis Direct Wilson giveaway competition to the value of $500, so we'll be tuning in for that a little bit later on tonight. But first, off the top of the show tonight...
2: The Australian getting just rewards
1: for being the very best that he can... A man who's put so much industry into his career. He's a deserving winner. John Milman is your champion here in Nur Sultan. He went to the Astana Open,
0: 7-5-6-1. It wasn't that long ago that John Milman was able to salute to win his first ATP Tour title. I've been keen to get him on, but like so many tennis players, he's been on the road for some time. He's quarantining up in Sydney, but I did want to pay recognition to John on air. And there's a few other topics I don't want to pick his brains about uh, tonight. But John, it's always great to have you back on the show.
1: Yeah, g'day, Brett. Thanks for having me, mate.
0: Congratulations on getting that first tour title. I know I did stay up late. It was around about midnight, I think, in Melbourne, uh, watching you get the job done in uh, Kazakhstan. I was actually looking at uh, where you've been over the last uh, four months. You, you've covered some ground, uh, like all tennis players, so we'll we'll get to that and a few other issues. But uh, just to, to lift that trophy, you've been in a couple of ATP finals before. We know you've had success on the futures, the challenges. I always tell people, John, I think you'd write a great book one day, as someone that has experienced every corner and breadth of uh, being a, a professional tennis player. And everyone goes on their own journey, but uh, it must have felt great just to get your hands on that ATP trophy.
1: Yeah, look, we've all had our highs and lows throughout our career, and, and for myself, uh, there's been a few roadblocks with uh, with injuries. But to for for a culmination of of, of hard work, um, lifting that title was pretty special and and something that has uh, given me a lot of confidence moving forward too.
0: Well, I was going to ask you about that because I always say to people, John, that I think there's more upside to you, and I'm fascinated as to where it goes and. I mean, you're acutely aware as someone that's uh, living and breathing the tour that, you know, so many players are playing their best tennis, their early 30s into their mid 30s and some going even later who are maintaining a pretty good ranking uh, in the sport. So do you feel like maybe you've, you know, reached that stage where, you know, the best maybe is still yet to come? Because there's a lot of players who obviously start the game so young who by the time of 30, 31, they might have already peaked and it's sort of downhill from there. But how, how do you look at your own journey as someone that, you know, developed a, a little bit later?
1: Yeah, for myself, I liken my career, especially early on, um, when I was trying to crack it in, in professional tennis, to a bit of an apprenticeship, you know. It took mm. me a while to to kind of make that step up from from juniors, which I didn't really do. I didn't play many junior tournaments on the international scene at least, to... To the professional tennis it, it, it really took me a while to, to hone my skills develop my game and, and get my body uh, in a place where it could handle the rigors of professional men's tennis because it is very physical these days and uh, for some people we're not all your Yannick Sinners or Alex Dimenuz some people it takes a little bit longer and um, you know I cracked at it and I just had to keep trying to get little improvements. And I I do honestly believe that that's what gives me the most joy is to try and get the best out of myself. You heard on that little snippet from from the commentator there in Noor Saltan that I just try to be the the best version of myself out on court. And that means uh, trying to get little improvements and and trying to find little areas where uh, I can improve in my game. And I do feel as if I can still do that. And that's actually... Uh, what gives me the, the, the greatest thrill with tennis and what keeps me really interested even at, at 31 is the fact that I, I still feel as if I can probably squeeze that that lemon a little bit more and get a little bit more out of my game and myself.
0: The day after you won, I had uh, Gary Stickler on this uh, program who obviously you know well has been a big part of your uh, yeah. journey uh, as a young man ran at 17, 18 through to you. Uh, mid-20s. I know you still have a you know, relationship with Gary and uh, talk to him about your game, and he's keeping an eye on uh, you. And what, what are some of those key messages that ring true from your your days with him? Because he's got, obviously, a great reputation up in Queensland and around Australia.
1: Yeah. Oh, look, Stick was a massive part of, of, of my tennis development. I did a, a little bit of work when I was young with,
0: with Milton Rothman,
1: who Um, who then kind of passed me on to, Milton was finishing up and passed me on to Stick and Stick's in Queensland for for the people who who don't know Gary Stickler. He's played a big hand in in some of our better Queensland players. He he had a a great relationship with, with Pat Rafter who obviously went on to do some pretty good things. He developed Jason Kubler, another top 100 Australian player and and, and and myself, I, I did a lot of work with him and, and his team there at Lifetime Tennis. and um, I, Gary gave me belief in myself, uh, and he also, Gary's probably greatest quality was the fact that he kind of saw, he's a visionary, he sees where tennis was heading, and I did a lot of work with Gary when I was uh, 16, 17, 18, on, on trying to hit the ball heavy, um, consistently, uh, so when I'm at the back of the court, I feel like I can go toe-to-toe with anyone back there. He'd like me to have added on a few other things. He, he still wants me to hit a couple more steel volleys, um, So, and he, he'll yep. tell me that. He'll, he'll still tell me that. But, look, Gary gave me a lot of belief in myself, and, and I think that his greatest quality is um, being able to move with the game. I've always thought uh, tennis is an ever-changing game, and it's it's constantly improving, and it's constantly getting better. And so you have to be ready to adapt your game to to go along for the ride. And and Gary was always very forward thinking in in how he approached the game.
0: Yeah, I think, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but I, you know, obviously, I've observed your game for a long time. So, and anyone who's watched you play uh, knows how tough you are to beat. I mean, your matches go deep; they're an arm wrestle. Uh, you're in every match you play, uh, you know, if you we went through every single match you played in your career, and there's, there's some you know, some days that are tougher clearly than others, but more often than not, you're super competitive. But do you feel like you're sort of maybe just up the ante a little bit in terms of uh, taking a bit of control of matches? Because, you know, often players, I think, playing you would get frustrated because of your accuracy, your depth. Uh, yep. your, your willingness to chase down everything and, gee, how do I get past John Millman? I've got to come up with a, a really flashy stroke. But do you feel like you've maybe added that as a real key ingredient that, no, I'm going to really dictate and and, and win the point rather than maybe relying on uh, the opposition players to uh, to make the errors?
1: Look, I feel like it's really important to to have a solid base so you can go back to that game where – you can be really tough to get through. And and obviously I want to bring a certain level of physicality to my matches. Um, But at this top level, it is really important that you take your opportunities when they present themselves too. And that's something that, you know, over the time I've realized I had to continually incorporate into my game. You're only going to get one or two chances, Uh, normally one chance uh, in some rallies against the top players where um, you can get on the front foot and and dictate the play. So, uh, I think that's probably been a bit of a product of, of uh, being exposed at this top level and, yeah. and really realizing and identifying that there's so few chances to, to get on the front foot, and, and when they do present themselves, you've got to uh, you know, take action. So um, that, that's a learning process in itself yeah. uh, to really yep. get comfortable at this level and, and to really identify um, what works for you. And everyone's a bit different. Um, but definitely, it's, I think it's really important to have that, that solid base that I can always drop back down to um, and be really tough and, and, and really hard to go through. But definitely, uh, I obviously, throughout my career, um, I've tried to continually work on on taking advantage of, of those one or two opportunities uh, a little better.
0: John Millman, our special guest uh, tonight, of course, on the back of uh, winning his first uh, ATP World Tour title uh, back about three or four weeks ago, he's been on the road uh, for the last uh, four months, uh, quarantining in uh, Sydney before heading back to his uh, native Brisbane, and then we await to see what the summer of tennis is going to look like. I'll ask you about that in just a moment. But if you look at the current men's tennis landscape, uh, John, you know the young guns coming through, uh, you know the big guns right at the top, this next gen who are emerging how much more upside do you think there is for yourself? Because I look at your game and I think there's certainly top 30 capabilities. You've been close. Definitely. And, and
1: that's a, a goal that I really, you know, want to want to try to tack on next. Obviously, there's a couple of really big highlights this year. Yeah. Uh, representing the country at an Olympic Games would be really special. I'd love to get another, not at a Davis Cup finals at the end of 2021. That'd be unbelievable too. So yeah. you work towards these these goals, but... In terms of personally where where I'd love my ranking to be at, you hit the nail on the head and I actually answered this question to my missus the other day that that that's got to be the goal for 2021 to get inside that top 30 and that means you start getting seeded at Grand Slams, which I think is a pretty good achievement also and it kind of can potentially make those draws uh, a slight bit easier that you... Can avoid someone like a, a Rafe on the who I've had a couple of uh, <laughs> nice. first round, round yep. And, yep. yeah, you, you don't want to, uh, yeah, you, you really don't want to see the draw and, and see your name pulled out pretty early or really late and, and drawing one of those top top two or three guys. So I think that that's got to be the goal. I think I'm 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 set myself up pretty well considering how well the back end of the year was for me both mm. this year and last year with the 24 month uh, yep. ranking system. Um, uh, once I get through the Australian summer, hopefully it's, it's going ahead. I've got a really good opportunity after that throughout up until, I would say, Wimbledon, where um, I've got the chance to, to make points and, and therefore climb up the rankings.
0: So the last three or four months, uh, you're certainly capable of going there. So I'm fascinated to see where the journey goes in 2021. So the last four months, you've been to seven countries. You've covered... A fair bit of grand. I did ask uh, when we were promoting on our socials, you were coming on if any of our uh, listeners had a few questions they wanted to send through. And Mary wanted to ask you about your COVID experience and, and mm-hmm. how you've seen it. There's so much debate as to what Melbourne is going to set up here and how the Australian Open is going to look. But what's been your experience of you know, playing tennis in this COVID bubble?
1: No, geez, I could I could talk about this for a while, but um, first, of, first and foremost, the trip was probably three and a half to four months long. We uh, I left a, a week before Cincinnati, and uh, I obviously had apprehensions as to as to go overseas, especially during a COVID pandemic that was obviously a lot worse, but especially in the states and in Europe. But this trip, I've been on longer trips before, but this this trip felt like one of the longest I've ever been on. Uh, not necessarily physically, but mentally it was one of the more draining trips. I was confined to hotels and, and just the courts everywhere I went. So for the last four months, I've been in some type of biosecurity bubble where you can't get outside of the hotel and courts. And then to top it off after the bridge opened, all the tournaments moved indoors. So there was, I haven't seen sunlight for a very long time. And now I've been quarantined here. I just I would say how mentally draining um, that trip was. There's been no release to be able to get outside of a of a biosecurity bubble. And that made it really challenging. It really did. And I know a few of the players uh, would have thought the same thing. But I'm really proud of the efforts that the players made, the ones that did travel, to, to get tennis back. So I did think it was really important to, to get tennis back on the map. And it's really imperative for the product of the ATP um, to have tennis going again and the WTA, uh, so I think the players behaved themselves incredibly well. I don't, I, I can't think of any um, COVID-related scandals um, once tennis resumed, because I know there was a, a few people uh, during that COVID period uh, who, who might have, um, I guess broken um, protocol there, but once the once the tournament started, I thought that everyone really identified that this is a really good opportunity to get back and and play tennis, and, and I think the players behave themselves really well, and I think that actually bodes really well when you're talking to, you know, the Victorian government about um, the possibility of hosting an Australian Open.
0: Well, yes, you know you're right in terms of the tournaments. I mean, there was only obviously you know Djokovic copying the criticism with the Adria tour um, yes. out, outside of the ATP events, but. That is a nice segue into what you know as a player. I mean, we're talking about it nonstop. I had a couple of penadoles to try and work my way through this, John. And uh, what the Victorian government is going to do, uh, uh, Tennis Australia. I feel for you know the administration there trying to get this all up and running. And here in Victoria, um, you know, we've been more cautious than any other state. So I don't have an issue with that. And I think health and safety has to take uh, precedence. But we want to see the Australian Open play. What do you know as a player? at the moment you're in quarantine at the moment uh, what information are you being fed about about january that maybe you can give us some insights into tonight
1: yeah look I, I first of first and foremost i want to say that tennis australian the australian open team in particular they are you know one of the best oiled machines in in world tennis so i think that craig tiley and his team are doing an incredible job as they always have done at the australian open and and their hands have been tied a little bit from my understanding um, as to, as to getting some clarity out there as to what the Australian summer is going to look like. Um, from my understanding, uh, that we will have a, a decision made uh, as to how that summer is going to look like by the end of this month. So, and I think that that's actually quite important because players really do have to start making, um, those plans. Uh, and I guess where it lies right now is, is it's imperative that once we can get the international travellers coming into to Victoria, um, that we can, to some extent, train during that quarantine process. It'd be great if we could play some tournaments during that quarantine process, like we have done at every other event throughout the world. Um, but if not, it really is imper- imperative that we set up some type of biosecurity measures, some biosecurity bubble where we're allowed to train to um, during that time, like the Australian cricket team's doing right now, I saw that that, that they've been uh, in their quarantine, but they're also mm. training at the same time. And, and that's really important because no player's going to make that trip and sit in the hotel room like I'm doing right now and then go out there and play, uh, especially in the men's case, a best-of-five-set tournament. It's, yep. it's, yep. it's, it's very um, A for the players to do so. So, look, I think we're going to get some answers. Uh, by the end of this month, hopefully, in the next kind of three, four days, that would be um, ideal. And uh, and if we do, perhaps it's it's a it's a reduced looking schedule. Uh, perhaps it's it's not all the leading tournaments that we've had before, because uh, obviously times uh, of the essence, and the, the the tour does move on post the Australian Open, and other tournaments do have their slots. So I'm not exactly sure how it's going to look like. I know that I've got confidence that this train Open will happen yeah, if the happen. Uh, if yep. the government gives it the, the you know the all clear. Yep. but um, it is really imperative that the players once they get here can train to some extent.
0: And that's the huge sticking point. And this has been on the table for months with the government. And I, I've been trying to you know uh, join all the dots together and and work out how this is uh, going to play out. And they've been very very cautious, the Victorian government. Uh, we've got a Grand Prix in March as well, which is going to bring a huge international uh, cavalcade of people. And considering what Victoria has been through, and I mean, I'm you know, chatting to a couple of people this afternoon who are of the view that they're certainly looking at the second week of that quarantine bubble uh, to have you know some sort of match play. You're right. I mean, certainly everyone in tennis echoes the same view that you can't expect players to sit in a hotel for two weeks and two or three days later go out and play a Grand Slam without any practice or without any lead-up event, which my thinking is that this is going to be delayed. Now, I could be wrong. So, it's uh, there's a bit going on. But I just wanted to ask you also, you know, if you, you've joined the ATP Player Council and uh, obviously, you know, people recognise you in the game, your views, uh, and you've got, you know, many views having sort of uh, been across the whole tour across your career. So, you know what, you know, how tough the guys do it at the lower end in trying to make a living out of the sport. How, how big is sort of the ATP, um, uh, the players' voice right now in trying to get collaboration to get this Australian Summer of Tennis underway. I mean, it's a pretty powerful voice, certainly on the men's side.
1: Oh, definitely. And, and hopefully we want we, we it in its entirety also because it's been a really tough run, especially for the guys ranked, uh, you know, 120 and beyond. Uh, they missed out on the US Open qualifying. Uh, and it has been a tough slog for those guys. So uh, I'm, I'm really hopeful that the Australian Open can go ahead in its entirety, meaning that the qualifiers uh, can all get a chance to come to Australia and, and compete in the qualifying event also, because, as you know, um, in that bracket from from 100 to, to 250, that, that qualifying money and the chance to... To to qualify and really make some serious money, which sets you up is so important. And I've done that myself. Yep. I knew that if I played well at the Australian Open early on yep. in my career, then that money could get me to Europe and and kind of get me through until the club tennis kicked off in Germany. So, look, I've, I've walked in their shoes, and and I think the ATP has has really tried to to help out uh, these guys ranked um, you know further on outside of that top hundred and. Uh, and Obviously, you can't help absolutely everybody, which is which in an ideal world, you would be able to, but it's not a bottomless pit of money. But um, as to my understanding is there'll be a third. um, They've already had uh, some of these these guys uh, have had two payment packages, relief packages, and there'll be a third one at the end of the year also being given out just to try to help them out through what has been a really challenging year. So definitely, I think the ATP is really trying to to help. I think that hopefully next year we can see more tournaments on the schedule because obviously at a futures level especially, those futures have really dropped off and, and players need um, exposure to, to play tennis and to try to make a living. That's so important.
0: Just to close, and you've been really generous with your time, because I just want to see what impact, I'm keen to know what impact you feel like you can make on the ATP Player Council, because we've seen this uh, Breakaway oh. Professional Tennis Players Association yeah created there's uncertainty as to what it's going to look like and the impact and whether it's going to go ahead and obviously there's a you know <laughs> there's a bit of argy-bargy going on between the ATP and this uh, group led by Djokovic and Vashik Pospisil and yes. you know we had Vashik on our show earlier in the year and I just read a little, a little quote recently I, I joined the council uh, a couple of years ago and then I realized it was a very broken system so he sort of was, seems to be disillusioned with not being able to get Maybe the the breakthrough and the pull that the players actually want. I mean, what, what's your under, understanding of what this ATP player cancel so yeah. can actually achieve?
1: Yeah, look, the, the the PTPA bylaws haven't been written. I've heard that they're going to be written in the next few weeks. From they're the whispers I've heard. I'm, uh, I didn't sign the form. I'm, I'm not a, a part of the PTPA. I think where the where it lies right here is is that. I think the the play, players Tennis Association want one hundred percent of uh, uh, to be players and right now the hp set up where it's fifty percent players fifty percent tournaments and and my view is is that without the tournaments the players can't exist and and also the tournaments can't exist without the players so I do believe it's more of a partnership and and um, and you have to foster those relationships now that's where the big divide happens, whether you're pro PTpa or you, you feel as if whilst the system, um, can always get better, yep. you, you like working in the tournaments. Um, it's not just all one way or the highway.
3: I, I do feel, feel as if,
1: if that, um, you have to work together to, to have a product. And, and that's why I was keen to join the, the ATP player council because, um, yeah, I strongly believe that you have to work with tournaments like the Australian Open, um, to to, 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 to benefit. Um, And uh, yeah, that's my take on on that right now It'll be interesting to see the Bible when they come out And and, um, we can probably see a little bit more The direction the PTPA is heading when that happens
0: yeah, it's a fascinating space to observe from uh, afar, that is for sure. Uh, plenty going on. You're right. Well, Hopefully you're right. Well, hopefully we get a decision. We just want some clarity. We want to know everyone that's involved yeah. in tennis, what January is going to look like. But uh, appreciate your time. Uh, first and foremost, I wanted to get you on to congratulate you on that maiden title, and hopefully there's a, there's a few more and the best is still to come. Thanks for having me. Good on you, John. John Millman, always uh, great for a chat. He's got plenty of views. Really, we could do a whole hour with John and really uh, get into some pretty deep stuff because he's heavily involved obviously at the coalface of the tour. Tennis Direct, Australia's favourite online tennis store. They've got fast delivery, great prices, free delivery and orders over $150. TennisDirect.com.au is where you need to head. Use that promo code. First serve team will announce our fourth winner of our Wilson giveaway later in the show. You're listening to the first serve, happy to take your calls. 1 300 736 736.
2: GLG Green Life Group, your open space specialists, celebrating 25 years of industry experience and exceptional service at glgcorp.com. The first serve, your home of tennis.
0: Welcome back to the first serve. Brett Phillips with you tonight, happy to talk the world of tennis with you. If you want to weigh into January, if you've got any intel, what should happen? uh, I think I've been texting more in the last 24 hours and speaking to people on the phone than I've spoken to my whole life. There's a lot of opinions. There's um, lots of different stakeholders in different positions with different views. Australian Open 2020, the January summer of tennis. I'd love you to weigh in. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Well, it's clearly not an ideal situation. TA thrown A real curveball. I mean, this time last week, we're we're going to base the Australian Summer of Tennis in Victoria because it's proving too hard to get any sign-off on players uh, quarantining in the various states for the Australian Open uh, lead-up events and whether uh, they can move between states. They don't want anyone stranded interstate who needs to be in Melbourne for the Australian Open. Clock ticking. Have to make a call. I certainly get all of that. Dan Andrews says, hang on, not a done deal yet, that everything can take place in Victoria for the month of January and then announces that Tennis Australia's plan of having all the internationals arrive in Australia by the middle of December to quarantine won't be happening. And the earliest they can come in is January, which is a big spanner in the works. So negotiations have continued as to how this whole arrangement is actually going to look and be managed. No doubt it is complex. There's sort of part of me that would love to be a fly on the wall and part of me that wouldn't want to be. There's a lot going on. Just with the volume of the international tennis family that would be coming here, so the players are very clear they've got to quarantine for 14 days if coming to Australia. A big key sticking point, and John Millman alluded to it, of a proposal that's been on the table for quite some time. So TA had done all the scenario planning and obviously um, was speaking to the government uh, some time ago, uh, You know, particularly when Victoria wasn't in a great period. But for the players to have a special exemption to operate in a secure bubble to be able to practice and possibly compete whilst in quarantine, they're still... No agreement locked in. And I really don't know where that sits. And if this can't happen, of course, it does affect, it has to affect the start date of the Australian Open. And the other factor is the players needing a lead-in event to a major. So the conclusion I've drawn is that, in my view, there is no way the AO can start on January 18, its scheduled date. Peter Johnston, Tournament Director of uh, ATP Events in St Petersburg and Shenzhen, as well as the Kooyang Classic here in Melbourne. Uh, always good with his time on this show, but he did speak to Jared Whateley this morning. Uh, not so sure it can't start on its scheduled date of January 18. Look, I, I think that's really difficult, Jared. I, I, one thing I think with the Australian Open goes ahead, I just know how hard it is to move the date, especially at this late date. You know, you saw the Friends Open move from, uh, from May to October and the ramifications of that, I know a new tournament in, in uh, Russia, it landed straight in that week. So then that tournament, we had to find another date and that sort of, it was all quite difficult. So if you're moving the slam with only four or five weeks to go, it's really difficult. Now, Jono also saying, like I've uh, just said, that the quarantine issue has to be sorted out about what can and can't take place. Because in every tennis tournament that has taken place this year in COVID cities, uh, players uh, haven't been just confined to their hotel rooms. They've been allowed to practice and compete, but as uh, us Victorians have learnt in a very long 2020, this government, for good or worse, has done things their way in their time. Maybe, and certainly I've had chats today, the hotel quarantine inquiry, the final report is scheduled for December. That could be certainly delaying things. We still might be another possibly two weeks away from a final call on this, although John John Millman's certainly touching on the fact that we hope to have a decision this week. Now, if it's not in its normal date, then when? That's the million-dollar question. In my view, and others, there is no way it'll be cancelled. So let's rule that out for 2021. Why? Because in the climate we're in, the majors have to take precedence because of the earning capacity for the players and the uncertainty of what the rest of the tours are going to look like next year. The WTA absolutely backs this. Their players have been starved of playing opportunities in 2020, and they're financially shaky. But the ATP structure also as John Millman alluded to in our chat, is a little more complicated. It's players and tournaments who govern the ATP tour. So they're also going to go into bat for tournaments that would be affected if you did change the date. Then you have an IMG, for example, who I'm told would block any potential clash, for example, with the Miami Open, which is normally, what, back end of March, early April, who I'm told would go under. And that's if the AO was delayed. Uh, till around March, April. So 24 days straight, no new COVID cases. And if things keep tracking in that direction in the next two months, Tennis Australia would absolutely want more than the 25% crowd capacity being floated. If it's last week of Jan or push back two weeks to the first week of February, and you can get more than the 25% in, kids will be back at school. People in general, a lot back to work from summer holidays, a lot Uh, who not only spectate but officiate at the Australian Open as volunteers in particular. Outside of our own interests, a big part of the global uh, tennis world would love to have the Australian Open start later than January each year. I was asked my opinion on the weekend on radio and I said, I have a feeling. I'm not certain, but just trying to join all the dots of what the very cautious government here is thinking, along with what... The Australian Open and Tennis Australia would want ideally if it can't be staged in its normal slot around maximising crowds and I think March, April could become a possibility. I'm not ruling anything out. I think everything's on the table uh, right now. There are just so many stakeholders to try and get all on the same page, and that is uh, certainly the difficulty. But if you've got a, a thought on it, 1-300-736-736 or on the text 0433-9811-16. Uh, make sure you jump on Tennis Direct. Their promo card is first serve 10 Their website, tennisdirect.com.au, $150. If you spend over that, you'll get it uh, delivered all for free. Got some great stuff online for uh, Christmas and so forth, great prices, free delivery on orders over $150. We'll come back with uh, your thoughts. And Daniel Medvedev will talk about his uh, great performance at the ATP Finals.
2: GLG Green Life Group, your open space specialists. Celebrating 25 years providing landscape, horticultural and environmental services throughout Australia at glgcorp.com. The First Serve, your home of tennis.
0: Our second last show of 2020, big show, big prize to give away next week. I'll tell you about that at the end of the show, particularly if you're a player or a coach out there. one 736 736 if you want to weigh into the tennis conversation. Decision pending, Australian Open. Summer of tennis, uh, there's a lot floating around. Great to have John Milman off the top, at Uh, Certainly the conclusion to uh, the season happened at the uh, O2 Arena, the uh, the final time that the ATP final has been played at the O2 before it heads to uh, Turin in the north of Italy uh, next year. And I tell you what, he's had a magnificent back end of the season. Uh, Daniel Medvedev, he was uh, the standout player last year of that next-gen crop uh, coming through, making that US Open final, rising to the top four. I think he played in nine finals He's now won three uh, Masters 1000 events. Bit of a stop-start sort of uh, campaign up until the Paris Masters a couple of weeks ago, which he won. And how about the scalps he's taken in London? Obviously the best eight men singles players. Knocks over Alexander Zverev, beats Djokovic, the world number one, uh, beats Nadal in the semi-final in a really tight match, 3-6-7-6-6-3, uh, six, 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 and uh, he accounts for uh, Dominic Thiem. Uh, this morning in the final four, six, seven, six, six, four. So really small margins in this one. But he's got X factor. He's uh, charismatic. He can hit shots that a lot of guys can't. Uh, the angles, uh, just the way he builds points. He can be patient. Then he can absolutely put the accelerator down and blow you off the court. He's got a fascinating service action, the the sort of high ball toss. The ball looks like it's disappearing out of the, the hitting zone and he can just hit his spots beautifully on serve. Here's a little bit of the Russian after uh, uh, conquering the ATP finals this morning.
2: Oh, to be honest, uh, when I lost the first set, Dominic was playing unbelievable tennis and I thought okay, if he plays like this, I'm not going to have the chance to win. But uh, I knew I have to fight. Uh, second set was... Uh, was really tough. I, I saved a lot of break points in crucial moments. I had to play my best tennis, and uh, I mean, by uh, by pushing him uh, to the limits. Also, I managed to win the tiebreak. I think where I played really good. I made some amazing decisions to put him under pressure. And third set, I, I had small control of the match i was putting pressure all the time i was trying to to do everything to, to try to use him as much as possible and i think uh, it worked uh, definitely one of my best victories in my career not uh, even talking about the title and the tournament but uh, this match against dominic when he's in this shape is uh, is something special
0: Certainly one to savor for uh, Daniel Medvedev. No doubt about that because uh, Dominic team, as we know, I mean, a Grand Slam winner this year. He's uh, been the first one to rise up and really challenge uh, the big three and their standing and you know, making those couple of Grand Slam finals against the Dale at the French, uh, breaking through at the US Open this year, making that final of the Australian Open. He's had an amazing uh, campaign, but you can't stand still in this game. There's the next pack who are chasing team now to upstage him as he's been trying to make the inroads into Djokovic and the and, and Federer over the last few years. So uh, Medvedev, a couple of years younger, gee, you look at the X factor he brings to the table and uh, this won't be um, just a flash in the pan. There's no doubt he will uh, win a slam at uh, some stage. I think we're pretty blessed at the top of uh, men's tennis. This is why the ATP finals is a great event. I mean, when we look through the history You know, you remember the Grand Slam winners, and for good reason, that's where the prestige is. But this is a great trophy because you're up against uh, the guys who are right around you that you're forming the biggest rivalries with and you're having the toughest matches with, particularly at the pointy end of really big tournaments. So he's absolutely earned the title uh, this week. It is the best of three, so uh, not quite uh, the Grand Slam uh, test of resilience over five, but it almost felt like some of these matches were five-set battles, long, absorbing, Points. And this is what you get when you've got the quality of these guys at the top. The quality of tennis is uh, absolutely outstanding. So we saw a uh, little Diego Schwartzman uh, make his debut, uh, lost all three matches, but a great year for Diego. Uh, Djokovic uh, beating Schwartzman. He beat uh, Zverev in straight sets, but then uh, loses that um, uh, one match in the, uh, the semi finals to uh, Dominic Team. Gee, it was tight, wasn't it? 7 5 6 7 7 6. So absolutely nothing in that. But Yeah, for team, he's also had, you know, a great week taking a couple of really good scalps, and unfortunately, there has to be a runner-up. Second year in a row, though, for Dominic Team. and when he sat in that chair today, just a young man who hates losing. You've got to love that about these guys. They are that driven to uh, be the best that they can be, and they bring an amazing skill set. So that rounds out the ATP season. I think there'll be a couple of challenges going on this week, a little bit of action on the ITF Tour, the women... Uh, have no tennis uh, going on at the moment until uh, we see what rolls out for January and the early uh, part of the year. We're going to come back after the break. We'll announce our our final winner of our Wilson giveaway competition. A bit of other tennis news uh, floating around here on The First Serve.
2: GLG Green Life Group, your market leader in commercial open space maintenance and management. Celebrating 25 years throughout Australia at glgcorp.com. The First Serve, your home of tennis.
0: Welcome back to the First Serve, uh, Talking the World of Tennis, Uh, 1300 736 736. If you'd like to join in the uh, tennis conversation, we'll announce our winner in just a few moments for our Wilson giveaway. Thanks to Tennis Direct Australia, of course, uh, tennisdirect.com.au. 10% off. Use that promo code, First Serve uh, Tim, and we'll give that away in just a moment. The racket, all the accessories to the value of $500. And on our final show of the year next week, we're going to give away, thanks to Yonix, a a pro trolley bag for players and coaches out there. It's magnificent. You'll fit your 20 rackets in there and everything else. So make sure you're tuning in live next week uh, to win uh, that great prize. It was Sam Groth who uh, revealed on this show earlier this year, some months ago, that the WTA was broke. Uh, you had some good intel on that. This was from uh, tennis media outlet Tennis Now. This little bit of audio across uh, the weekend.
3: The toughest time to be a WTA tennis player is right now. At least that's according to Elisa Cornet. She says players are obviously grateful the pro circuit resumed after the coronavirus shutdown, but lots of events were cancelled and prize money has dropped as tournaments struggle to keep events alive and do it with less revenue. The fall Asian swing, which involves a lot of prize money, that includes the WTA finals, they were a no-go this year. Former world number no. 11, Cornet, told French publication L'Equipe, the situation has put the tour pretty much in survival mode. She says the WTA finals accounts for about 50% of the WTA's finances and Asia is closed until at least March. Cornet suggests if the current crisis continues, It could take years to rebuild the tour and she says it's a shame because the wta has done a really good job in recent years it is a very big blow now as we tape today's news the pandemic has taken more than 1.3 million people worldwide good news though a vaccine may be on its way pfizer and moderna both announced vaccines that they say are more than 90 percent effective obviously widespread distribution of those vaccines is going to take some time Still, though, if the vaccines are effective, they could help get tennis back on track. Because without vaccines, international travel is going to continue to be a problem. Feliciano Lopez has also weighed in. He, of course, is tournament director for the Mutua Madrid Open. He says he expects prize money to continue to go down in 2021 as tournaments try to attract advertisers and meet their expenses. He says the players have to accept this situation and appreciate the huge effort the tournaments are making to deliver their events. That's why the 2021 Grand Slams are critical for players because they're the ones that offer the most prize money. As we tape today's news, all four majors have announced they do plan to play next season, even if it means limited or no fans or even shifting their dates. Aliza Cornet says the Grand Slams are very important because they can fund a player's entire season. However, those ranked outside the top 100, well, they can't count on playing the majors because remember, last summer, the U.S. Open canceled qualifying to mitigate the risk of spreading the coronavirus.
0: Interesting uh, little take from uh, Tennis Now, which is a good uh, tennis uh, media outlet for uh, for news, certainly just reiterating the um, the situation for the WTA Tour, who have had uh, one event since September. That was uh, the $250,000 event in Linz in Austria about uh, a week ago. So they've been starved of opportunities, and this is why the Australian Open, there's no chance it'll be cancelled. It's just whether it's going to be able to retain its slot, move back a week Can the rest of the tour make some adjustments to accommodate that? I mean, so many things are uh, uh, certainly on the table. Uh, Last week, uh, the first intake of players was invited to be part of the new National Tennis Academy uh, set up in Brisbane, which will be officially launched in January, all part of the Athlete Performance Review announced earlier this year. We spent a fair bit of time picking that apart on uh, the first serve. Uh, The NTA is for the 15- to 23-year-old athletes who, in order to qualify, have to meet certain criteria around performance, value, And potential, as it was said to me, quite there'll be a few of any who meet the criteria in the 18 years and under side of things. I wonder if Tennis Australia will provide a list of the players who are actually invited. And if they do, it'd be very interesting to see the percentage that meets that tough criteria. It would be a small list. Well, I can tell you I got in touch with uh, Tennis Australia today on this issue, who have said they will provide that list of players as soon as all the details are finalised. So we'll uh, certainly keep on that, if not for next week's show, uh, for the early part of uh, January uh, next year. Uh, Tennis Victoria Premier League, that's going to be on uh, this weekend, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. So the top team-based club tennis competition in Victoria, they'd love to say Australia as well. Uh, $15,000 in prize money will be held at Tennis World, Elbert Reserve, Unfortunately, no spectators, but a live stream of the main court there for the entire weekend will be on the Tennis Victoria YouTube page. So six men's teams, five women's teams, Kyong, Royal South Yarra, MCC, Glen Iris, Bo Morris, Bundura, Glenburn, Hume, all involved, some of the big tennis clubs around Melbourne. Uh, some of the names, uh, Thanasi Kokonakis, who did win the UTR Pro Series event at Melbourne Park uh, last week. So just great to see Thanasi back out playing and getting some continuity, getting some match play and... Uh, We know the story, uh, the tough uh, journey that he's been on with injury uh, for what seems like ever uh, now. So fingers crossed that this time around, uh, can see Thanasi Kokanakis come back in a big way because if he can stay fit and healthy, there's no doubt his talent is there for everyone to see. Uh, Mark Polmans, Alex Bolt, uh, Belinda woolcock, uh, Zoe Hives, Daria Gavrilova uh, will also play that tournament. So um, you can be tuning in from, I think, around about 2 o'clock, uh, Friday, Saturday and Sunday on the Tennis Victoria uh, YouTube page. All right, let's announce our... final winner as we wind down for a Monday night. So the final winner of our Wilson giveaway competition uh, thanks to uh, Tennis Direct you get the racket uh, and all the accessories that uh, come to the value of uh, $500 and our winner I can announce uh, tonight having uh, just uh, peeled open the soup bowl a little bit earlier is Brett Pearson. So uh, Brett if you're listening in uh, tonight you are the winner of our final uh, Wilson uh, giveaway. Congratulations, we'll uh, be in touch Had a magnificent amount of entries uh, to this uh, competition and we thank Tennis Director who have been uh, great supporters and I do know that um, one of our listeners, I think the first one we announced at the start of November has already got racket and bag and everything in hand, uh, did send us a photo last week so... Yeah, enjoy, enjoy, and uh, hopefully a lot more things to give away on uh, the first serve, not only uh, for the remainder of this year, but uh, all of next year. So we'll be back with a big final show to round out November next week. I don't know if we'll have a decision regarding uh, the Australian Open in the January uh, summer of tennis, but uh, no doubt that'll be front and centre uh, along with all the other sport that we cover here on uh, SCN right throughout the course of the week as the government and Tennis Australia continue these uh, very, very delicate discussions. Yeah, I'd love to sneak into a corner. Just have a little bit of a listen, all thanks to Tennis Direct and also uh, 100 Words, a network of active local communities with the aim of improving men's mental health. They're great supporters of ours, 100Words.com.au. We'll be doing some great things with them in uh, 2021. Uh, Have a great Monday night, everyone. We'll do it all again, 7 o'clock next week.
2: Subscribe to The First Serve via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your preferred podcast platform to listen at your convenience to the live shows you miss on a Monday night. Plus our weekly themed podcast content, including Aussies Only, Crunching the Numbers, and In the Huddle, produced by Study and Play USA. Plenty of content to listen to weekly. Subscribe to The First Serve, your home of tennis.